you, Kanye, for the awesome intro. Welcome to Tech Tac Toe. Yeah, it's a bit of a tongue twister, but we're glad you're here with us today. I'm Nikhil Gola. And I'm Josh Byrne. We're your co-hosts for this exciting journey through the tech space. And also joining us in studio today is Miranda Chen, Tech Tac Toe's first and only summer intern. Hi. Definitely giving five stars on Glassdoor. All right. Tech Tac Toe, employer of choice. Employee of the month. Hope all of our tic-tac-toe listeners have been enjoying their summers. I've been in New York eating as much pizza as possible, because that's how you avoid the humidity, right? Uh, sure. Yeah, well, I've been in the Bay Area living the tech life, which I've learned basically entails finding all the free food in the office and every opportunity possible to say blockchain or machine learning. Get it. We want to give you all some summer content from a great conversation we had with academic and Cisco thought leader Joel Barbier. Yeah, so digital disruption overturns incumbents and reshapes markets. On the episode today, Joel will break down how these incumbents, these traditional players, must adapt their business models and strategies to survive the digital vortex. Hey, Miranda, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear digital vortex? Mm, Back to the future. Or (laughs) that vacuum that works on its own. Uh, The Roomba. Yeah, it's kind of like the Roomba, isn't it, Josh? It's, it's exactly like the Roomba, exactly. Joel does a great job breaking down these concepts into really digestible bits. Think of this episode as Digital Disruption 101. When we talk about incumbents and digital disruptors, think Blockbuster and Netflix. Think taxis and Uber. Or The Daily and Tech Tac Toe. We're coming for you, Michael Balbara. All right, so folks, sit back, relax, and join us as we enter the digital vortex. Hit it, Yeezy. 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 Our special guest today is Joel Barbier. Joel is currently a director in Cisco's operations group and a visiting faculty member in Cisco's Global Center for Digital Transformation. In his 19 years at Cisco, Joel has worked in many roles, including finance, IT, program management, and thought leadership. As a thought leader, Joel has helped build Cisco's point of view on digital disruption and has recommended technology strategy for many Fortune 100 customers to help them navigate the digital frontier. In his long career, Joel has worked in the U.S. and abroad at Oracle, L'Oreal, Mars, and Engie, a French utility company. So thank you so much for being with us today. How you doing, Joel? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the pod. So we have Joel out here in sunny San Jose and uh, Josh joining us from New York. How's it, how's it looking out there? It's, it's a little toasty, a little humid. Uh, not sure if you remember how that is, but, uh, but getting through, getting through. I haven't, I haven't seen a cloud in the sky all summer, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they are <laughs> again soon. Okay, so for a while now, Cisco has been focused on the impact of digital disruption and its ability to overturn traditional players and completely reshape markets. This has led to a partnership with the International Institute for Management Development to create a research hub called the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation, the DBT Center. One output of the DBT Center is a book called The Digital Vortex. So this digital vortex, it's, it's not the name of the next Star Trek movie, is it? Uh, Joel, what exactly is the digital vortex? 
Well, the digital vortex is an, is an image, really, um, as disruption is essentially changing the competitive landscape across industries. We're using this image, this natural phenomenon of an irresistible force that's pulling every organization towards a middle where everything that can be digitized is digitized. So it's this image of a tornado that's um, essentially showing how um, organizations are converging towards digital. Um, a tornado in an object caught in a tornado may collide and break. And similarly, we're seeing an unbundling of industries. And of course, it's happening faster and faster. And it's very hard to predict. It's very chaotic. Wow. Okay. Sounds like a lot of turbulence. Yeah, it, it sounds like technology meets like a Michael Bay movie or something. <laughs> Very exciting. Uh, so I, I'd love to hear which industries you think are most at risk of this disruption. So companies that whose offers, uh, products, services can be digitized are the ones most likely to be impacted. In fact, our own industry, technology, product and services, is at the forefront of disruption. Others, like media and entertainment, uh, if you look at what Netflix is, do is doing, um, for example, are changing very quickly as well. Companies like uh, telecommunication companies have experienced disruption for probably two decades now. Um, other companies, um, less digital companies, uh, are less likely to be impacted as directly, but it doesn't mean that any organization is safe. In, in fact, we're seeing concern uh, about disruption across lit literally every industry that we have surveyed. Wow, okay, so uh, one, one example I remember when, when we first talked was the, the idea of Amazon, and it seems like Amazon is really able to disrupt so many different industries as one company. I mean, what do you see with what Amazon has done yeah. in the last few years. Great, great example. Amazon is, is a typical example of one of the most uh, disruptive companies. And I was talking about unbundling industries. What Amazon is doing is they're using their digital capabilities to very quickly cross industry boundaries. They started as an online bookstore, so in retail. But if I ask you, what industry do they operate in today? It's a tough question, right? They started renting out their data center and becoming a formidable comp competitor in the technology, product and services uh, industry. They're also building an airport in Ohio, in the middle of the United States, and leasing a fleet of airplanes. So they're clearly going to be in the transportation and logistics industry. And recently, they've announced a partnership with uh, JP Morgan Chase and um, Berkshire Hathaway, two of the largest institutional investors to provide healthcare services to their own employees. The day when they announced that the, the joint um, market capitalization of the US healthcare industry dropped 7%, right? So wow. they're, they're bad news wow. as they're crossing industry boundaries. That's crazy. Just the, just the thought of them entering a market can drop the market cap so much. It's, I mean, it's amazing, right? Very disruptive. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, let's talk about the business models in, in this digital vortex. How are those companies disrupting the traditional players? What we're finding is that disruptive competitors are so effective 
for for one particular reason, which is that they're creating great value for us. You know, if I ask you, why do you use Uber, for example? I know Uber is a cliche of a disruptor, but it's a great template for what disruptors are doing to us, the, the incumbent organizations. Uber, you'll say, may be cheaper, uh, are offering price transparency, uh, they're more convenient, easier, and they're very consistent, regardless of where uh, you use Uber. So Uber is a, is, a, is a perfect example of a disruptor, creating three forms of value for, for us, their customers. Uh, cost value, experience value, and the new form is platform value. So I'll explain a little bit. I mean, cost, you know, Uber can be cheaper in a lot of cases than a regular taxi. Uber is easier, more convenient. Uh, they're automating the whole process of ordering a cab with just the push of one button. So automation, reduced friction, are the business models that they're using to create experience value. And then platform, which is the, the new model. Platforms essentially um, models that connect supply and demand in new ways and create what we call network effects. The more users on a platform, the more valuable the platform is to us. So let's take another example. Um, Waze, for example. If nobody in your neighborhood uses Waze, they just provide the map and, and guidance. But if everybody is using Waze, uh, then the guidance they, pro they, they, they offer can be complemented with uh, insights that they crowdsource from the local community. So that's, uh, these are examples of, uh, of platform models. Love that example. I'm also thinking about Airbnb as a pretty pretty stellar example of that platform. I mean, having all those properties and all those houses makes makes it what it is, truly. So very interesting. Okay. Um, so what? Uh, so these traditional companies are trying to adopt these business strategies that are that are util, utilized in uh, in this disruptive age. So what are some common you know business strategies you're seeing that they are trying to employ? Yeah, the the. the a section of the book actually provides a playbook uh, for for digital response uh, strategies. So, two new forms of competitions that we've identified uh, in the market. The first one is one we call a value vampire, using a, a you know figure of the horror films. Um, essentially, a value vampire is a very uh, aggressive competitor uh, offering very high cost value. An example of this, you might take um, Napster. I think, in fact, Napster is the archetype of a, of a value vampire, right? Mm -hmm. Driving revenues in the music industry to zero uh, right. very quickly. Um, another example can be WhatsApp. At the time when WhatsApp, the, the messaging, the free messaging application was introduced in the market, uh, market research predicted that um, text messaging was going to grow into um, uh, tens of billions of dollars of market opportunity uh, for telecommunication service providers. Well, right after WhatsApp was introduced, that market peaked and then started declining. Mm -hmm. uh, so here are examples of, of um, a value vampire. Uh, but it's not all bad news. <laughs> um, with, as digital capabili capabilities emerge, there is the opportunity for companies to uh, move into new markets or create new types of offers. And we call this a, a value vacancy. 
an example of a value vacancy can be um, the example of McLaren, right? McLaren was, you probably know McLaren as the, the, the car racing company, mm -hmm. but they've created a, a division that does something, something slightly different. McLaren had built experience um, racing cars uh, by actually having the ability to monitor what's happening within all of the subsystems in a, in a race car. Um, essentially being able to understand in real time or near real time uh, when a car might have to be taken off the, the track for maintenance or whether they would actually take the risk to let the car continue even though uh, mechanical failure uh, could potentially happen. So they developed these, these capabilities associated with uh, the Internet of Things, uh, predictive maintenance, and a lot of analytics. And what they're doing today with this new division is they're entering the, um, you might call this the manufacturing 4.0 or the connected manufacturing market, partnering with pharmaceutical companies, um, consumer companies to actually connect their assembly lines and uh, provide the same types of analytics and predictive maintenance capabilities that the developed uh, racing cars. So here's an example of a value vacancy, a company creating an entirely new area of activity and revenue uh, using digital capabilities. Love that example, so cool. Wow. We've got, we've got vampires like in Twilight, we've got the Vortex like in Star Wars. Joel, you've got, you've got a movie series out of this. Strong V words today. <laughs> well, yes. it, it's, about, so, it's about taking a little bit of the complexity and um, I'd say the fear out of the market, yeah. uh, but also making it interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So, you know, you're traveling all around the world. You're talking to executives about digital disruption. Uh, what are you seeing and hearing from these business leaders? Are, are they prepared for this? Well, it's a mixed, it's a mixed landscape, really. Um, two, two things. One, drawing from our initial research, we're finding that the awareness of the threat uh, of digital disruption is increasing significantly. In fact, 41% uh, of the companies we've surveyed think uh, this digital disruption, this intensifying digital competition, is a threat to their very existence. And if you look at what's happening in the U.S. retail, um, th there is reasons to be concerned for companies. But at the same time, very few companies are taking action at the governance, at the leadership level to address the, the threat. So a, there's a bit of a dichotomy. And I think the reason for this is that um, a lot of companies don't necessarily know how to address the threat. If you're Sony Music and a Napster enters your market, what are the responses that you should uh, you should consider anyway uh, but we're also finding is that the the approach that companies are taking to respond are very different uh, startups typically th typically um, say that their advantages are that they are fast they're innovative they can experiment and take risks while the incumbents the large enterprises typically rely on um, things like um, uh, brand value, uh, customer base, access to capital uh, 
uh, as their, um, their competitive advantage. But what we're finding is that these advantages are typically eroding. Um, take, take access to capital, for instance. We're no longer in a time of capital constraints. In fact, hundreds of billions of dollars are coming into the market to fund technology ventures. I'm sure you're familiar with the term uh, unicorns, mm -hmm. right? There's more than 200 mm -hmm. unicorns today, privately owned companies whose valuation have, has um, estimated valuation has exceeded a, a billion dollars. Um, take brand value. You were talking about Airbnb earlier. I think today the market capitalization of Airbnb is compar comparable to the one of Marriott and Hilton Hotels uh, combined. Right. So wow. um, market entrants that are very recent are able to very quickly create very large um, brand value opportunities. And then if you think of um, capital, uh, typically, sorry, I didn't mean capital, I meant um, um, customer base. Uh, if you think of um, a very established bank in the US, JP Morgan Chase, I, I think they have um, about 40 million digital banking customers, and they've been around for more than a century. Uh, they practically invented capitalism. Um, if you look at um, uh, um, a company like Alipay, the mobile and uh, smart payment arm of Alibaba, the e-commerce company in China, they have 450 million customers. So all of our research points to the fact that the traditional advantages of, of incumbents are eroding. They're still valid, but they are eroding. What we, what we think, in fact, is the key differentiator in this market um, is what we call uh, digital business agility. The one thing that startups have that most incumbents don't have is this speed, this ability to very quickly um, capture opportunities, value vacancies, or fend off threats, uh, value vampires. And of course, imagine, right, if you are Airbnb, you're just a, a software digitally native model. It's very quick to roll out uh, new capabilities because unlike Hilton Hotels, you don't own hotels or you don't hire staff to maintain uh, these hotel properties. So typically, um, we're finding that disruptors are a lot more agile than, than incumbents. And so the whole second half of the book goes into studying what are the organizational capabilities that make up agility. And we think it's a, it's a set of three organizational capabilities that have to work together. The first one is um, what we call hyper-awareness. This ability to listen, sense, capture information. Typically, um, disruptors will capture uh, orders of magnitude more information than their incumbent competitors. So that's the first thing. You're able to listen to your employees, your customers, uh, your operations, market trends. The second capability is what we call informed decision-making, the ability to actually analyze that information at scale at the point of decision. Um, it seems obvious, but a lot of companies 
don't necessarily know how to use the information that they have. In fact, if you look at the research of companies that failed, the majority of them, they have the knowledge in their rank that they're doing something wrong, but because of biases like rank, um, distance, uh, they will typically, they're, they're not inclusive enough, they will typically ignore the information that they could use. So informed decision making, and the third organizational capability is what we call fast execution. Mm -hmm. The ability to very quickly execute on the informed decisions. And that fast execution capability is really the ability to quickly reallocate resources, um, talent, technology, processes, to be able to capture new opportunities faster than your competitors or, or fend off uh, threats. It may be a little bit theoretical, so if you want, I can I can provide a couple of examples. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, if you think of um, what, what I called hyper awareness, this ability to to listen. Um, a few a few years ago, I was walking through San Francisco using Google Maps, and Google Maps Maps said uh, it was it's going to take you twenty seven minutes to get to your destination. And there, uh, a new icon that I had never seen popped up. And basically, Google Maps said, if you take an Uber, you might be at the destination um, uh, in less than 10 minutes, and it's going to cost you 8 to $12, right? Mm -hmm. um, typically, a traditional taxi will either wait at a taxi station or uh, drive around to essentially find people who are interested in a ride. But... Um, uh, in this case, uh, Uber partnering with Google Maps is, cre is, is capable of creating uh, literally millions of leads mm -hmm, for, yeah. for their drivers. So that's an ex example of um, what I call hyper-awareness. So we, me and Josh always joke on this show that we, we hope it's more than just our parents that listen to this show. It may or may not be, but our intended audience is hey, typically... Yeah, hey guys. It's, it's, it's intended that this show, you know, will be listened to by MBA students and, and prospective MBA students, typically, you know, folks in the millennial age group. So what, uh, Joel, is your advice for how we can help organizations as we, you know, leave business school and become part of these organizations that will be digital disruptors uh, and hopefully not be digitally disrupted? What millennials can do is, is, is key. Uh, we're finding in our research is that there is a major shortage of talent, of digital talent. And of course, you can think about this as uh, technology talent, things like um, uh, computer science, but it's not just that. In fact, there is an even bigger, even bigger talent gap in the IT business liaison type of role, being able to be fluent, both in terms of understanding the business and understanding uh, technology. So. I think millennials are really equipped to do this for, for, for several reasons. For, first, they're very fluent with technology. They're essentially very able to very quickly use digital capabilities to do the job uh, faster. I think there, we, we talked about digital business agility, and digital business agility requires a different way of working from vertical, functional silos, uh, hierarchical, to a much or horizontal way of working um, across the value chain in, in a business, essentially working on joint outcomes across 
uh, a company's silos. And I think the, the millennials with their agile use of technology are actually able to, to do this, being very autonomous, operating much more um, under a vision, a shared vision, than under um, sort of a step-by-step -step guidance or being micromanaged. So I think millennials have a lot to bring. Um, we typically hear the wrong questions in the market. Um, we typically hear questions such as, um, how can we be more disruptive? When really the right question should be, um, how, do, how can we use uh, digital capabilities to create more value for, for our customers? Um, others ask us, how can we become more digital? As if digital was something that you do for digital sake. Um, a better question might be, um, how do we use technology capabilities to improve the performance of the company? The, the, the question is still the same, right? You want to improve performance and value for, for customers, or how can we build a digital strategy when really there should be two strategies for a company, right? There should be um, a use of digital capabilities to build an agile strategy. Um, so that's one thing, right? Ask the, the right question and stay focused on creating value for, for customers, improving the, the performance and speed of the, the organization. The second one is, if you don't read Digital Vortex, <laughs> I'm going to summarize it here. So four key constructs in the book. One, um, this image of a tornado uh, essentially describes a situation where uh, digital competition is intensifying. Two, what we're finding is that it's not just technology, it's a mix of technology and business model innovation that allows companies to create new forms of value for customers. Cost value, experience value, and platform value. And platform is the, the new model. Three, the book essentially offers a, a digital response strategy playbook, looking at um, defensive and offensive strategies that companies may have taken to uh, respond when a digital disruptor enters their market or um, when there is all of a sudden a new opportunity. And four, um, what are the organizational capabilities that disruptors have that incumbents need to, to emulate? And we think it's essentially agility. The one thing that disruptors have that most incumbents don't have is this speed, this digital business agility, uh, to capture opportunities faster faster than your competitors. So the book goes into what the organizational capabilities are to create agility, and we think it's this, this hyper-awareness, the ability to listen and capture more information, informed decision-making, the ability to analyze this information at scale and bring it quickly to the point of decision, and three, fast execution, the ability to move resources quickly. Um, to capture opportunities. And of course, these three have to work together in sort of a, a um, virtuous uh, cycle. Maybe, cool. maybe one more aspect, uh, and this is not in the book, this <laughs> is actually where we're focusing the research going forward. Uh, so our customers are finding this digital vortex insightful, right? If you're a Hilton hotel, uh, understanding the mechanics of how Airbnb is disrupting the market 
is, is useful in terms of understanding what capabilities to emulate. But increasingly, what we're hearing from the, the thousands of executives that we're engaging with is that while they understand the direction of, and, and what's happening in the market, it doesn't help them address how to transform. And so transforming an organization is hard, and that's nothing new. If you look at um, research done by Cotter at Harvard 20 years ago, he said that 80% uh, of change management projects fail. More recently, um, uh, McKinsey, uh, Bain are pointing to the fact that um, only a fraction, 5 to 10% of digital transformation projects actually deliver the full value uh, that they intended to, to deliver. And a lot of uh, the, the current research points to change management not done well. In fact, there is, if you look up, if you look on Amazon, there's probably more than 80,000 books uh, written on, on change management. So we don't think we're going to add much in this area. But there is mm -hmm. one area where we think um, the, the, our research uh, could be fruitful. Um, and that's the idea of orchestration. What we're finding is that incumbent organizations typically have complex operating models, um, typically very untangled, uh, complex, interdependent, dynamic. And you can't change one aspect of your operating model without actually simultaneously rethinking about the others. So let's say you want to create digital offerings. Um, that means you have to bring digital talent into your workforce. If you want to bring digital talent into your workforce, you've got to change your culture very often from one that um, uh, in sense uh, experimentation and risk-taking and doesn't punish uh, mistakes being micromanaged. Joel, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, all of our listeners, you can check out the book, Digital Vortex, or listen to this because he masterfully just broke down pretty much the entire <laughs> book in less than 30 minutes. That's, Joel Barbier. 30-minute audio book. Yeah, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed your time in the digital vortex. If you have any questions, comments, or general pats on the back, feel free to reach out to us at techtactoepod at gmail.com. Take it easy. Peace.